Well, good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Jeff Baumgartner, a senior editor at Light Reading. And I'm Camilla Formica. I'm the chief program officer here at the Cable Center and now the Sendeo Institute at the Cable Center as well. Right. Yeah, we're going to definitely get into that because that's new. But uh, Camilla, thanks for joining the podcast today. It's nice to have you here. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Sure. So we're here uh, to talk about the second annual entrepreneurship and innovation report that was put out just a few days ago. Um, and I'm familiar with it because I've read the last, the first one and the, and the most recent one. But for everybody else out there who maybe has not or maybe is unfamiliar with the report and its origins, uh, can you maybe just get us up to speed on that? Oh, perfect. Thanks so much. You know what I'd love to do actually is spend just a couple minutes talking a little bit about who the Cable Center is and a little bit about a history because I think that helps to lay the groundwork because it's all really part of the journey of how we got to the INI report. So if you if you don't mind just tolerating me for a second, I'll give you a little <laughs> Thank you. Um, so really since our inception, almost 40 years ago, um, in a little room in the basement of Penn State University, our mission has been to steward the legacy and the history of the industry through our programs like the library, the oral histories, the Cable Hall of Fame, um, the, the archives. Now, you know the Cable Hall of Fame. You've actually been in our gorgeous building here in Denver. And you know that when you walk down, we have a physical Hall of Fame. You walk down, you see the, the pictures on the wall of the people that have been inducted because of the great work they've done in our industry. Well, the people that really connected the globe, the entrepreneurs that founded the industry and founded the Cable Center, um, they also understood that we needed a hub. We needed a place where people could come, they could connect, they could collaborate, they could innovate, they could educate because education was really a, a cornerstone foundational piece of the mission here since the beginning. But also, they needed a place where thought leaders could come together and share best practices as well. And they knew then what we know now, and that is that the next generation of great leaders were going to come from the collaboration, the time spent together in thought leadership, the education from this generation of thought leaders and of leadership. And so about five years ago, as we were thinking about, you know, we've done a wonderful job of stewarding the legacy, but as we started thinking about how do we serve that next generation of great leaders that's coming, what do we do? How do we serve them? We started thinking about what we need to do to prepare. And we put together really a task force. We reached out to leaders in the industry, stakeholders. Um, we put together a focus group. And we spent about a year. And what came out of that year was our Vision 2025 plan. That's, that's a uh, five-year business plan for us about what does our future look for us when we look forward with vision and passion and strategy about how we look forward to serve that next generation, what I think of as the 2.0 of our mission. And three things came out of that. Many things came out of it, but three really big things came out of it that I'll touch on. One is the Entrepreneurship Academy. One is the Sendeo Institute at the Cable Center brand, and the other is the INI report that we're here to talk about today. So in the focus groups, one of those focus groups was filled with that next generation of leader that we were trying to tap into. What is it that you need to be 
that strong leader that you want to be? What are we trying to, what's the problem we're solving for you? What are we trying to do to help you? And we heard again and again, a couple of recurring themes. One is that the cable center is considered a connection place. It's a place where people come together to meet others, to connect. And we heard that these folks want to be the next generation of entrepreneurs, but inside their organization. They want to have those entrepreneurial skills. They want to be innovators. They want to drive the business forward through innovation. They want to have that agile thinking, but they're inside large organizations. So how do they do that? And from that, the concepts of entrepreneurship, was, which was already a concept since the 70s, but it's not really something that we teach or we talk about. So the Entrepreneurship Academy was born. And we teach leading with agility, agile thinking, small a, not large a. We teach driving innovation. We teach entrepreneurial leadership here. These were all things that came from that group telling us these are the things we need. Moving on to the Sindeo Institute, which everyone's like, how do you say it? So help me say it. I don't exactly, I've heard a lot of different various ways to say that name. I think... Yeah, I think I went with Cindio first when I saw it because there was a there was a soft switch company called Cindio that we used to cover many yeah, moons ago. I definitely have heard Cindio a lot. So it is Cindio. And by the way, as we heard, we kind of leaned in further and further to the role of connector. We kept hearing that we are the place for connection, um, intersection, collaboration. And Sindeo is actually the Greek word for connection. So uh, we thought that was a great place for us to move forward as we're starting to create that brand for thought leadership, for innovation, for connection, for a place for exchange of ideas, that, that modern hub that we knew our founding entrepreneurs wanted us to be, that modern hub for leadership development, education, collaboration, connection. And as we kept hearing the theme connection again and again, Sindeo jumped out. So the Sindeo Institute at the Cable Center, that's the second piece that came out of Vision 2025. And then the third piece was our I and I report, right? The Entrepreneurship and Innovation Report. We did our first one last year, the inaugural, and that was really our flag that went into the ground saying, we are establishing ourselves as thought leaders. We're establishing ourselves in this new space of connecting people and knowledge to spark ideas and to spark innovation within their organizations. So this year we released our second, and I'm super excited about the second for a number of reasons. Number one, Talk about walking the walk. It came on the heels. We were seven days past the launch of the Sendeo brand, right? So we just launched the new operating brand, Sendeo. Seven days later, we launched that second, the second annual INI report, which is a, a big deal. And in talking about thought leadership and innovation and connection and all of those things, to come out with that big thought leadership report was really exciting for me just seven days later. But the other thing is like, we are trying very hard to make sure that we stay on, on top of changing technology. And I think when you look at the difference between the delivery, it, the delivery is just, I'm going to say it, it looks a lot sexier to me. I love the fact that it's a better delivery. It looks better. It's sleeker. It's slicker. And I think that that's something you're going to continue to see as well as, as, as technology updates. We're going to do our best to make sure that we're always delivering the most technologically forward version as well. We brought together 21 um, different executives, innovators, thought leaders for their insights on what's next, on um, different collaborative ideas. And I love the fact that we didn't just tap into people in the connectivity and cable industry. We tapped into people in entertainment, technology, media, and outside of that as well. Because one of the things 
that we want to focus on is as we move into that Sendeo brand and looking into being that thought leader outside of just our industry, it's bringing in the diversity of thought so that we aren't just listening in that sort of echo chamber concept. We're bringing in diverse voices to help us think outside of what we're kind of used to in our industry, which is sort of thinking inside of our own world and our own ecosystem. And so you'll notice things like um, Deloitte has a really great article on trust in the organization, corporate organizations, a lot of really interesting articles, I think. And you'll start for us to hear from us, diverse voices as well, coming into um, all the things that we're doing. Yeah, and I was taking a look, and I had a chance to look through the report, and uh, yeah, you have quite a list of uh, industry leaders, people tangential to the industry, you know, tied in, maybe not completely directly, but uh, yeah, pretty broad uh, view, you know, coming in that, that contributed to the uh, the report, and I want to dig into some of that, but um, as far as like how it's available, right, you made the announcement not too long ago saying, hey, the I and I report the second annual ones out there. Um, how else are you distributing and sharing it, um, you know, within the industry? So it's interesting, obviously, with just like the, we're sharing it through obvious uh, resources like our, our website and, and through our con our connections with, the, with people in the industry. But really, the way that we're disseminating the information, we'll use it throughout the year um, within our social media and, and places like that, it will actually be integrated through that. But we're using this information also to color the way that we move forward with uh, our learning, with things like our symposium that's coming out later in the year. We're actually using the intelligence that's come in through this um, to continue to, um, sorry, give me just a second, bleep this out right here. Um, it will to continue to impact the way that we're moving forward and, and what we're doing with our content for the rest of the year and actually moving beyond the year. And you also mentioned that um, we're using people outside of just the industry here because we've got 21 uh, different contributors this year. And you'll notice a lot of them are contributors, as I mentioned, from, from media, technology, from the connectivity industry, but also from outside of our industry. And you'll notice that as we are moving forward, we're going to continue to open up that tent more and more. Part of the Sendeo Institute rebrand for us or the, the operating brand component is about moving away from just being very cable centric and understanding that the connectivity in industry and what we're doing is opening up that tent to bring in more and more diverse thought leadership as we're looking at what ha is happening within our industry and beyond. And the thought leadership, um, the innovation pieces, all the pieces that are coming in for us through the INI report, so much of that, uh, we want to bring in diverse voices because I think that the more that we just have focused on the voices within our industry, it's really interesting for us to bring outside voices in. And yeah, that I agree. I think, yeah, because I think what you end up, you know, you don't want to be preaching to the choir all the time. Yeah, I mean, that's fine and everything, but um, yeah, you do want to have uh, you know, broader voices or more voices in the mix. And, you know, I was looking through the report again, uh, you know, a lot of different contributors, different aspects of the industry or, and outside of it that uh, uh, add to the discussion. But when you kind of look through it all, what do you, when you boil it down, what do you view as some of the big, the biggest takeaways from this year's report? And was there anything that stood out with this year's report that, was different than the, the inaugural one. 
last year? A couple things for me that I think stand out a lot. First of all, when you kind of look at it, um, some of my favorite pieces are things like we interviewed uh, Patty Jo Boyers. And I loved talking with Patty because Patty, there's a couple things about Patty. It's a uh, their Boycom, which is a small rural woman owned uh, cable operator in rural Poplar Bluff, Missouri. So rural Arkansas or Missouri. And um, it's interesting to me because rural is what you're hearing a ton about right now, right? Uh, providing service to rural America is a really big deal. Well, Patty has been providing service to rural America for decades and as a woman owned business. So talking to someone like Patty and hearing what have been her obstacles and how she's both innovated and been very agile as a woman owned business in rural America, providing cable services and telecommunication services in rural America for decades has been a really, it's an interesting conversation to me because it's really top of mind now for so many people, they're trying to deploy and do this. And here's someone who's been doing it for a really long time. So hearing her perspective to me was very interesting to talk to someone like Patty, who's been doing it when big companies are trying to figure out how to do it. So it was very yeah. interesting to me to hear her perspective. Yeah, no, I think that's a great example, right? Because I think, um, yeah, the uh, rural build-outs and bridging the digital divide and, and hitting unserved and uh, underserved areas is is a uh, uh, kind of front and center. I mean, literally before we came on today, I was listening to a press conference from Comscope and how you know, they're going to beef up their cable optic uh, or their uh, fiber optic cable manufacturing capabilities um, just for things like, particularly for rural build-outs. I mean, that was like the emphasis. So, yeah, everyone's kind of coming together. But you're right, yeah, Patty's company, she and her company have been, like, like we've been doing this for a while. And, uh, you know, she was out at ACA Connects, the the event they had a few weeks ago. I mean, she's uh, has, has a really uh, – interesting feisty point of view on, on what's going on and uh, and concerns about the bead program and everything. But uh, no, I think it's a great, great perspective. And I think probably a good one to highlight. Um, now, but one thing I was, when I was reading through it, you know, I was trying to capture it all myself before we talked and I was, I was just reading the forward from Mike freeze at uh, Liberty global. And that kind of struck me a little bit because he had, his quote was, uh, or one of the things, a passage he had written was, you know, for the last 50 years, our industry has been counted out more times than I can remember. And I'm like, wow, that really does ring true because I've covered the industry long enough, not for 50 years, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> getting there. But, uh, you know, but it's, I think during that time, I mean, I can definitely remember many, many, many times when some new technological development would come about and it's like, oh, that's going to kill the industry or, you know, this one's going to kill it. Here's the cable killer. I mean, cable killer was this term we heard year, you know, year after year after year yet, you know, they always seem to find the industry seems to find a way to innovate and uh, not get buried alive, you know, by all the knee jerk reactions and the initial reactions on, on some of the things that come about. So, uh, or, you know, Hey, this is what's going to doom the industry. So um, here's my question <laughs> out of all that. Um, so what does the report you know tell you or you know about how well the industry is prepared to deal or to continue dealing with maybe the current set of threats out there? You know, I mean we, we are seeing a lot more fiber, you know, broadband competition, uh video competition, uh there's, there's a lot of 
ways the industry is being poked. So what's interesting to me about both the report and, and what's just happened to us, what we've just been through, is that I continue to say to people again and again, um, just to remind them, especially people that maybe are either peripheral to our industry or not in our industry at all, that do not forget that almost overnight we all went home and not just because we all went home and I'm having Zoom calls all of a sudden that you know people aren't used to Zoom. And we're talking obviously pandemic time um, and we're having Zoom calls and I'm having international Zoom calls and I'm just sort of reminding myself that, oh yeah, people in Europe are also home and people in Canada are also home. And this is globally, everyone in the world went home and our networks survived it. And, and overnight, our networks that were built globally, again, I'll go back to the beginning of my conversation, those entrepreneurs that built the globe and put it, to, they connected the globe, um, our networks survived it. And so although we weren't thinking that we were going to have to do this, we were prepared for this. And I think when I look at what this report tells me, the report tells me that although they weren't planning for this, they rose to the occasion and when I look at what people are consistently saying in this report and what our contributors consistently said in the report was that they're preparing themselves now. They're looking at their agility. They're looking at their level of innovation. They're all preparing themselves for, holy cow, I wasn't looking at that as a possibility, but I will not go forward again without looking at the possibility of how agile do I have to be? How innovative do I have to be? How prepared do I have to be for whatever is coming? Because now we're looking at the environment of um, the economy and things are very, very um, volatile at this point. So we're, everybody's looking at things that are, the volatility now is very uneasy. And so people are now just looking at everything really differently. And I feel like the the overarching conversation throughout our report right now is that everyone looks at things with different lenses at this point, and they're all a lot more aware. They're a lot more open to agility. And to your point of the cable killer, I don't know that anyone sees things as cable killers anymore. I think everyone sees things as opportunity. And so their their lens is flipped a lot differently now. That's how I yeah. see a lot of what I saw. Yeah. No, I, I think it's interesting when you point out, yeah, how Everything changed like overnight, and uh, you're right. Uh, suddenly, all this capacity that you know typically is you know leaves you a lot of headroom. Suddenly, the headroom came down, and uh, yeah, they had to adjust really quick in terms of what they were going to prioritize. Like, hey, what do we need the back burner right to uh, to handle what's in front of us here? And you you know you, what you had talked about in terms of uh, how it changed the way that. Uh, People were going to school and were going to work and, and probably, you know, at least from the work standpoint, it's still a lot of it going on right now. You know, everything's kind of changed. And I thought, uh, you know, what, what you had talked about here, the report, the NI report does talk about the hybrid work transition or, you know, kind of what what's how this is kind of forced upon everybody. Um, and I think there was a number in there. It said like 78 percent of people leaders saying that they now manage a distributed workforce and almost 20 percent of them have functions that will never, ever return to the office. So, uh, you, you know, what what you know, we're, we're used to kind of working from home a little bit more. <laughs> now and, and I was already working from home but uh, a lot of other people as well but I mean what are some of the challenges and opportunities about this new reality either for you know the cable industry or those that uh, you know it's kind of connected to 
Well, I'll tell you, I'll use us as a great example. So um, our Entrepreneurship Academy, which was born really conceptually just before COVID but and came online just before COVID from that Vision 2025 planning, but it was an in-person environment. You came to the cable center and did classes and it quickly had to spin up as being virtual. The benefit from being virtual became all of a sudden we've got classes and cohorts that are in Europe, that are in Latin America. So I can be in a class here in Denver and I can have people in my class that are in London. I can have people in my class that are in Argentina and my cohorts look completely different. So it's opened up a world of opportunity for certain environments. Now, the opposite side of that is as a manager, as a person who has to manage and lead, it changes the environment. You'll notice also in that report that Deloitte has a great piece on trust. And what is trust in leadership? What is trust in the corporate environment? And how does that have to work? Trust is a lot harder when your team isn't sitting right in front of you, when you don't have all of them in a room and talking to you. Um, It really changes the environment. So things like trust, and the ability to be flexible and understanding what does leading a remote team look like, that's a completely different environment than a lot of leaders are used to. And even a lot of our larger companies are having to wrap their arms around, forget real estate and all of those things. They're having to wrap their arms around what does it look like to try to lead your teams and trust your teams and believe that your teams are actually capable of doing their work well and being responsible on their own. And that's been a real different shift and it's a mindset shift. And so for me, I think, again, we're going back to the last question, which is, are our leaders agile enough and innovative enough and trusting enough to allow their employees to do their best work like this? Um, And I'm gonna go back even further in our conversation and, and reiterate a point that we are creating our next generation of great leaders right now And that next generation of great leaders, they're going to understand how to manage remote workers. They're going to know how to be a remote worker. They're going to know how to manage remote workers. They're going to understand this environment. It's really hard for the people now that haven't done it. I think the next generation is being trained right now in how to do that. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of that had to be extremely jarring um, for everybody who was not used to working in that environment. I mean, it was a little bit different for light reading, to be honest with you, because all of us are pretty much already working from home in a distributed workforce and and kind of knew how to navigate some of these uh, challenges, right? How do you, uh, do you trust that everyone's being productive, that they're doing their jobs when, you know, we're not all together in one office and having these in-person meetings? And, uh, you know, and I think, uh, you know, yeah, you're right. We were talking a little bit about the agile mindset that, that come, came up in the report, right? And I think that uh, there's a lot of different ways to define it. You know, when I think of that, I, I think back to the model for software developers, yeah. right? Where, you know, they're doing these scrums every, you know, multiple times a day. And, and it, it's like a different approach for the, uh, the development of software. But it feels like that model you know, can kind of apply now applies a little bit more to everybody else, uh, just based on what we're forced to deal to deal with in this new hybrid workforce, right? Uh, right. So I don't know if it's that meets your definition or how you would kind of define what that means. You well, know, they, those are just examples, I guess. No, but you're right. You know, it's that volatility and uncertainty. It's the VUCA model, but I mean, it's volatility and uncertainty and 
when we're talking about agility with the capital A, which is what you're talking about, right? Like it's the it's working in that agile model of sprints and and moving through. We deal here when we're talking about agility, it's the small A agility, but it really is. Um, what does it mean to be flexible and agile and nimble and able to move when things are volatile and they're uncertain and, and they're happening within your organization? So I like to tell people that we deal with a much, we deal with the, the human-based side of agility, where what people are trained in, especially in our industry a lot on the tech side, is the technology-based agility, right? We're going through that process. It's project management. This is much more, how do I handle uncertainty? And if anything has taught us that, it's, you know, working from 2020, March 2020, how did we all handle that moment in time for that next two years to three years? I mean, we're still going through it in some fashion or another because we're all sort of adjusting to what is this new normal that we're dealing with. Um, and so for us, we're all dealing with a new sort of agility and innovation and all of that in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a great way of explaining it. And um Great. Well, I think, you know, that was the, uh, went through a lot about some different little aspects of uh, the INI. And we'll encourage people, of course, to go find it and download it and read it. But, um, you know, bigger picture, right? You're, you know, you've been at the, um, in your new position at the, uh, the Cable Center and also with the Sandeo Institute for a little while now. I'm trying to, I can't remember the dates, but um, I'm, I'm not going to press you on it. But, Bigger picture, though, right outside of the report we just talked about, which you know was a big thing to uh, to get moved. Um, what what are your top priorities right now for the rest of the year? Right, you have a lot on your plate. You got the Hall of Fame coming up, uh, Cable yeah. Hall of Fame. So, you know, what what what's what what's big on your agenda for the next seven to ten months here? So, for certain, thank you for bringing up the Cable Hall of Fame. That is coming up for us in April, the end of April 27th, the Cable Hall of Fame. And that's always a really big event for us. It's a wonderful event to attend, and, and you never know who you're going to be sitting next to. And so, it's a lot of fun. Um, but we've got a lot coming up. So, um, probably after Cable Hall of Fame, towards the end of the year, um, probably third or fourth quarter, we'll be rolling out again when we talk about the uh, Sandeo Institute at the Cable Center and all of the thought leadership and, and the connection that comes from the from the Sandeo Institute, we will be rolling out our, um, our inaugural symposium as well. And this will probably be a pilot version of it. It'll be a, a smaller version. Our hope is to roll it into like a multiple day event eventually, but this will be our pilot version. So that's going to be really exciting with thought leadership and connectors and, and a lot of innovation conversations. So really excited. So keep your eyes open for, for that and some conversations around what that's going to look like. But I think another really exciting piece for us and what's coming, um, we've been really listening. So we don't just talk about, you know, the agility and innovation and all of those things. We're actually um, listening and doing our own, you know, ad agility and, and innovating and, and all of that. We, we do, we actually practice what we preach here. And so we've been listening a lot to our clients and to the people that work with us in the Entrepreneurship Academy. And so we've been developing new ways to, to uh, teach our classes as well and take the content that we have that we've been working with now for the last number of years at the Entrepreneurship Academy and to really, um, to push that content out to uh, our different constituents that are our, our customers. So they've been asking for micro learning. They've been asking for online learning. They've been asking for a number of different ways to consume our content that work better 
for them in their environment than just a, a traditional kind of eight week course. So we've been listening. So you'll see a lot of introduction of some new ways to consume our content this year. And those are really exciting for us because we have this great, great content that's already been developed. For us, it's just new ways to consume it for our customers. So also be paying attention to that. I think that's really exciting. And, and that's those are big projects for us that are that are coming in 2023. Okay, a lot to come. Well, excellent. Well, I think that's where we're going to leave it for today, uh, Camilla. So thanks for the insights and for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for the time today. Have a wonderful day. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Thank you.